Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Happy Saturday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. This is now my new home on Saturday mornings. You can always find me here on the air every Saturday, 6 to 9, took over the Lawn and Garden show for Walter Reeves back at the beginning of February. We are having a blast, and I get so much encouragement and support from all of you just wanting to kind of reel things back a little bit, and let's start from the basics and kind of learn together, cover gardening from a very you know, starting point where everyone can understand, everyone can get into it. And it's for all ages. This show can accommodate everybody, whether you're a novice, whether you're an expert, you're a master gardener, even if you're a professor, hopefully you can chime in. You can call anytime. You know, if, if there's something that we say on the show that's maybe not quite right or something to add, the show's wide open for questions and for advice and comments and all those kinds of things. So for the... uh the listeners who are maybe a little older, a little senior, um, I don't even know what, what all of us are anymore, Generation X and, and those kinds of things, I would love for you to introduce the show also to your children and grandchildren. I mean, having the 20 and 30-year-olds involved in gardening is so important too, and agriculture too. You know, I feel like in South Georgia and farming communities and all of that, I hope that's not becoming a lost art among the younger generations, just getting them interested in some aspect of gardening. It's so easy to do. You've just got to be able to share that passion. It's got to be contagious. But, you know, a lot of the millennials may be living in different situations than than the rest of us did. If they're just living in a smaller area, contained to an apartment, a townhome, something. You don't have to have a yard to garden, I guess is my point. You could live in any situation and still be able to enjoy houseplants and balcony gardening and patio gardening and that kind of thing. So introduce the show to someone young, someone you know, and advise them that they can call anytime, even if they have what they think is a silly question. I don't think there's any silly questions because I've asked, I've asked very basic questions at times even just Lately on the Facebook page, I was able to post a few really good pictures of my rhododendrons. And that is such a a Southern favorite. You know, it's from the Azalea family, something that so many people enjoy. And I just put it out there for anybody that follows the Facebook page. Like, hey, I need advice on pruning this. You know, people that have done it year after year or expert gardeners may, you know, have varying advice on that. But I just thought if someone has done this with success, that's who I want to hear from. That's I want to hear from someone who's going to be able to tell me how to do it, tell me how to do it right and keep my rhododendrons alive. So that's what this show is for, sharing knowledge, sharing advice and sharing garden passions. 404 You know who's passionate about gardening? Nicole and Griffin. Hey, 
Ashley. You really are. And you have, uh, I told you this a week or two ago, like a natural curiosity. And I think that's what we all need when we're outside. You can't admit that you know everything. You can't admit that you see everything. But it really is fun to learn when you see something you're just curious about. You start talking to other gardeners. You call here. You talk to us about it. It's it's amazing. And somehow, because Mr. Reeve was there to answer my question, then I go to so many courses, University of Georgia, Hattons and Griffin, and talking to people and taking cutting from here and there. You wrote that dandruff. What color is it? They're like a hot pink. And they've always bloomed beautifully. And in the almost 10 years I've been in this house, I've never done a single thing to them, which is probably okay. You know, live and let live. I mean, if they're doing fine. But um, this past year, they got some um, crush and run, like gravel, you know, like kicked over their way. And it made the leaves kind of spotty. I don't think they were real thrilled about it. And they're just becoming so leggy. I want to make them a little more compact, you know. So a lot of people love that they're six or eight feet tall. Um, and they're off on the side of the driveway that we don't, you know, generally walk along. So that's fine for them to be large. But they're getting leggy. And, you know, when you go back on the stems, there's no leaves. So I want them to be a little more compact, a little more full. Well, at, yeah, after they bloom, you do it, you know, so take them uh, the rest of the summer to recuperate. And uh, you can make a lot of cutting. That's what I do every year and I give to everybody. Um they they come back different colors because depending on what kind of soil you have, but they need to to have moisture again something so they don't dry up uh, in summertime. Like uh, base of the driveway, there's always moisture against concrete. Yeah, they tend to house. really be in kind of a low lying you know area that stays kind of wet. Yeah, yeah. Or you house uh, a lot of moisture around it, but. Um, it's a lot of fun to make cutting. You start early, you put them in a glass jar outside, and they're going to be uh, two, three months, you're going to have a lot of roots, and you put them in a the pot. And uh, I, I have a big one, I started with one cutting now, because you, it's got the uh, perfect environment. Do you paint the tip with a rooting hormone or anything, or no, you just stick it in a bottle? No, just stick it in a bottle. Huh. Just uh, needs a lot of... Uh, bright, not bright sun, bright light, like a shade, like on the New York porch, put them in the jar. and uh, It's fun to see uh, what you can create. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Absolutely. Yeah, somebody was asking me, what did they email me this week, if they could propagate, oh, a peony, if they could propagate a peony. And based on the research that I found, it's not like you could just cut a stem off and propagate it that easily. Maybe some people can who just have really good luck, but it's more about digging the the clump up and dividing it you know so in that case maybe not propagation like like you're referring to but being able to split it and share you know and like take a cutting from someone's yard who is meaningful or something like that yeah try to plant something that means something you know like um, people that die that give you something you know like uh but anyway uh oh i like to talk about uh daily yeah they're starting to open up right now yes and um, all kind of colors, and uh, they are really brightening your your day. And um, some of them won't bloom if you have a place that the grass not growing very good. Just put them there; they multiply like crazy. Yeah, a lot of folks see those little, you know, bushy but tall green mounds with long, thin green blades, 
and kind of wonder, is this just a mondo grass or a monkey grass that's gotten out of control or too tall? Because they'll start to green up and just kind of hang out and you, you don't really know. You're like, what is that? But then once it starts to shoot up the stems and the buds and things, then most people kind of begin to recognize them. But it's funny, they can be a little misleading in the beginning when they're just kind of hanging out and they're just all green. But, you know, Nicole, funny story. I was telling a friend of mine on the phone Daylilies, that's one of the first flowers I was able to recognize when I was a kid. And I don't know why I have this memory of when I was four or five years old. Not a rose, not a daisy, anything like that, a daylily. And do you know how I knew what a daylily was? No. Because I watched an uh, an episode of Sesame Street, and they made a big deal about the letter of the day, and it was D, and then I think the color was orange, so then they put it together... And it, I don't know why. I was four years old, and I can remember that exact episode of Sesame Street. And I swear I didn't just watch it like last week. I mean, this is like over 30 years ago. And that's how I remembered the first flower I was ever able to identify was a daylily. Hmm. You know, I always thought that uh, when you was born, you already had life in you. And you get good at it because you love life, and it comes natural. That's so, funny. I mean, that could explain deja vu. You yeah. know, when you have moments of deja vu, like maybe you, you really have lived that moment before something similar to it, you know, a certain scenario like that. Yeah. Hmm. I used to go as see a man, his uh, hobby was uh, dividing daily and, uh, you know, that's four, four, four female inside daily, one male. And you can manipulate the color, the size, and things like this. So you should have seen that. This man was so passionate because he go to a show every year in Thomas Thomas Dunn, and you win prize, and it was his pride. But I went to that show one day. <laughs> you should see how many different what kind of size, what kind of color. What they color? Kind of I mean, I've never seen anything other than like an orange or a yellow or a white. What else we got? Oh, they are really expensive. Uh, you go in the catalog, you know, because they win, once they win a prize, I think that the the price go up, you know. But anyway, this man was trying. But it takes a long time because you have to put in the dirt, wait for a year or two, what kind of they come out and things like this. Yeah. And I go in the back of his yard. I could not believe it. And had wheelbarrow full of daily. I said, what are you going to do with it? And he said, I'm going to throw away. I said, oh, no. no. I brought all of them up the house here and I give everybody in a new at work, you know. But some, I mean, some, they were so, I mean, orange, kind of called the dark. I mean, this man was really passionate about uh, doing that. You are. You just take the male and then shake it with a female and stuff come up. You are a plant whisperer for sure. You, I've known you to rescue hundreds of plants. Well, tell us real quick before we have to go with your experience with daylilies. You know, we're coming up soon on the time to divide irises and things like that. If people have iris beds, what do you do with daylilies? Same thing. You just pick a, pick a snip, and you can recognize in the bottom those little roots uh, that uh, try to keep, you know, uh, four or five balls together. Because, But they are just so... Uh, there's no way you can kill those because the energy go back to the uh, rhizome. That's yes, that's and, and that's good advice for people to know, whether it's daylilies, irises, yeah. daffodils. You know, we still see the greenery from our daffodils, too. Not to cut that away. I know it's starting to flop over. It may be slowly starting to yellow, but it's so important to not cut that greenery back because it does. It sends energy back down to the plant so that these perennials will know to bloom again next year. Yeah, they make it easy. Soak it in the water the day before. 
because then you have to shake, just shake them, they, they, they come apart. But if they're too tight with clay, that clay that we have in Georgia, it's it's really hard. Make yeah. it hard on you, make it hard on, on That's you. Gosh, that's good advice, Nicole. For day lilies and even we've kind of, I, I guess you could still divide hostas now, but like back when they were first starting to send up shoots, same kind of thing. Soak it the day before and it's so much easier to divide instead of going at it with a shovel and then risk you know, making too deep of a cut or too many cuts and things like that. So, yeah. Well, Nicole, great to hear from you. Thank you so much. We got to run and we got a full show today. So I hope you'll hang around. Enjoy your day. All right. You too. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you to Big Bird, who I can truly, truly thank for, uh, I guess, starting my passion with gardening. I don't, I don't know. He taught me what day lilies are. But anyways, it's 618. We're going to take a break and check news, weather and traffic. We'll be back. I'm Ashley Frasca, Green and Growing, WSB. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I, will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Ashley. We're back on Green and Growing. Now, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Walter Wonders, the segment that we do every week, and we bring back the OG gardener, Walter Reeves. But we're going to talk about bird behaviors, and this is really something that's interesting because whether or not you're into gardening, surely you've had a lot more time at home and you've spent a lot more time outdoors, and you've noticed maybe birds doing some peculiar things or just their regular patterns and just not knowing you know, that that was a thing. So we're going to talk about bird behaviors at the bottom of the hour. And I have also shared on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, when you search Facebook, Green and Growing WSB, a list, a birding checklist, if you will, if you really want to get into birding and enjoy some time outdoors, just some basic things you need to enjoy birding. So that, and then I've got got, uh, Dr. Dave Cole, an assistant professor at the Department of Forestry and Environmental Conservation at Clemson University. He's going to be taking your calls along with me beginning at 7 o'clock. I'm going to hope to hold him through till 8.30, so 7 to 8.30 this morning. All kinds of questions focusing on Forest health, tree health, invasive species. There's there's a lot of things that you can ask Dr. Dave. So definitely give us a call with those questions after 7 o'clock. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So to share some things with you right now, some garden basics of things you could get out and do this weekend and even in the coming week. Number one, refresh potted plants before planting container gardens with summer annuals. So maybe you haven't dumped out those pots yet or anything. So what you want to do is just replace the top maybe four to six inches of soil with new soil. So you don't have to dump the whole thing, but you do need to make sure you've always got, you know, fresh soil somehow, fresh potting mix, whether it's in a enclosed container in the garage or bag or something like that that stays relatively dry just a lightweight soilless potting mix apply a slow release granule uh, granule or plant food in those containers like osmocote but be careful because if you're using a brand new bag of potting soil it's already going to have a lot of fertilizers in it so you don't want to overdo it just depending on what you're planning number two time for fire ant control now the georgia two-step is what a lot of georgia folks have heard in controlling fire ants and it's just what it sounds like two-step process first you've got to spread a bait like amdro something like that give that a week or two and then use a mound drench an organic insecticide something like that would be spinosad that you could use to drench the mound we're not talking about putting grits in there we're not talking about shoveling it away boiling water may work to a point but it's definitely not going to kill the whole colony 
Number three, now that you're familiar with how the sun is moving through your yard, all the trees have filled in and we're in these longer summer days. So now that you've kind of familiarized yourself with that, hopefully you know wherever you live, what directions are north, south, east, and west. So you just look. When the sun rises, that's east. When the sun's setting, that's west. So you can plant a shade garden. That's something that a lot of folks could enjoy right now. Hostas, coral bells, Solomon seal, ferns, you name it. You're going to have a good shade garden if, in fact, you've got some shade in the yard. All right, we're coming up on a break. We're going to be back with Walter Reeves. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. I hope you're having a good morning, and thanks for tuning in. We will be right back on Green and Growing. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Thank you so much to tuning in for tuning in to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. I'm Ashley Frasca here with you until 9 o'clock this morning. We have a full show and definitely going to get to a lot of your calls. 404-872-0750. I'm not going to be alone coming up after 7 o'clock because we're going to have an expert from Clemson University about forestry health and tree health and invasive species and maybe some rumors you've heard about certain bugs that are prevalent right now. So any of the things that are pestering you, you can certainly call anytime during the show but the guests will be with me between 7 and 8 30 this morning so that's going to be fun and then uh, pike nursery comes along at 8 30 to share what's going on in their nurseries so i know a lot of you are anxious to get out and shop again we just got to kind of start that crawl walk run process keep that in mind when you're going out to visit certain retailers 404-872-0750 up next is gerald in atlanta good morning gerald thanks for calling Morning, Ashley. How you doing? I'm great. How about you? I'm fine, thank you. Listen, Ashley, I'm one of those long-time listeners. Been listening since I was a kid. My oh. mother used to listen to Don Hastings Sr. Yes. Most of the show, and then she listened to Kathy Henderson. Then, uh, in fact, I still have copies of some of Kathy's Garden Gazettes. Oh, wow. She was great, wasn't she? I don't, I don't know where she is now. There might be some people listening who know where Kathy went. I think she lives out of state, but I would love to know for sure. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I listened to Walter many years. <clears throat> and Walter, in fact, was my teacher when I took a uh, master gardening course. Oh, isn't he fun? He is yeah, a great fun. teacher. He used to have a joke about my name. I won't mention it, but he used to have a joke. <laughs> I didn't like it. But anyway. We'll keep that for happy hour. All right. <laughs> yeah. Listen, um, I enjoyed your story, too, about Sesame Street this morning. Thanks. <laughs> Listen, I... um, ask me a simple question. Should I be buying potting soil or garden soil for my plants on the deck? Okay. I want to take some transplants and put them in new pots. Yes. Garden soil or potting soil are the best soil to purchase. So you gave it away when you said it's going to be on your deck. So I am almost certain you're using containers. So you definitely want to use potting soil. So probably, yep, what your instinct would tell you. Potting soil, it's really not a soil at all, but it's more of a compost with ideal levels of drainage, and it's just a fluffier composition so that it's going to drain better. You know, we don't want those things in small containers to stay wet because that's going to make them more susceptible to root rot and things like that. And on a side note, too, any container planting that any of you have, I was over at a friend's house the other day, and she had these beautiful containers that she bought, planted, you know, two or three different annuals within each container, but the containers did not have drainage holes. So that's your number one thing. Before you even think about the soil, you've got to turn that container over, make sure it's got at least two or three holes. And it's very easy to do, you know, if you've got to drill, just be able to drill through that plastic or that clay or something and, and make sure there's drainage holes. But yeah, Gerald, so the difference there is pot 
potting soil. It's it's light. It's fluffier. It drains a lot better. And it's also composed of just like general things that are able to keep the plant health intact. So it does have some fertilizer already put in it, things like that. And it's sterile. So that's a good thing when you're planting new plants. That soil is sterile. It doesn't have any of the bad microbes or bacteria or, you know, fungus that may live in the yard that, you know, you're going to plant a new area in an outdoor garden. So it it gets you really off to a good start. And it, it is, you know, it'll have a lot of fertilizers, which you may not need to add additional fertilizer to some of those container plants for a few months. Okay. What's the good thing about garden soil? What's the first thing buying garden soil? Garden soil, that would be anything that you're going to plant outdoors. So something that you're adding to, you know, the clay soil that we already have. And garden soils are going to be based on whatever they mainly contain, you know, for different parts of the United States. So there's going to be a clay garden soil that contains more clay soil. And then loamy, you know, soil will be in, you know, bags for different areas in the country or maybe more coastal areas, things like that. So they're just heavier. They don't drain as well, but they have natural bacteria and things like that in them that they're going to be able to be introduced into the surrounding soil a lot easier. This is great. Thank you. I appreciate this very much. Listen, I'm enjoying the show. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Gerald. I'm having fun. And I mean, I hope you heard with the Sesame Street story. Like, this is just a good time. (laughs) So if I can make you laugh and I can make myself laugh and I can laugh at myself sometime, I think we're doing well. But I appreciate you being loyal. I I know you know what's going on. If you listen to Kathy and you listen to Walter and now you're putting up with me, I really appreciate that, Gerald. Yeah, you're doing, I mean, Ashley's doing a great job. Thanks. And hey... If you want to hop over, yeah, have a great weekend. If you want to hop over on my Facebook page, Gerald, Green and Growing WSB, since you're, I mean, I really respect, you know, your opinion and kind of what you're getting into. So send me some pictures of what you end up potting up on the back deck. So, all right, speaking of Walter Reeves, he joins us this morning. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Happy Saturday morning. Welcome back to Green and Growing. Walter, how you been? I've been great. Thank you, Ashley. So we've had a lot of time at home, and my husband and I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I would like to think everyone's able to just sit outside, relax maybe in the evenings, watch the birds, check on their plants, do all those kinds of things. And you know what I noticed more than a few weeks ago, but it's still happening every now and then. Our, our bird feeder is a good distance away from our windows that jut out of the house, like in that little breakfast nook. But we still have some of the birds flying into windows from time to time, or at least just yeah. trying to perch on the outside of the window sill. What are they doing? Oh, I'm sure they're seeing the reflection in the in the glass of your windows there. And when male birds particularly see their reflection in glass, they think it's a different bird. And so they think, this guy's kind of just muscling on my girlfriend. <laughs> and so they beat against the window glass against the reflection, trying to drive him away. But the effect is that you and your husband don't have any fun inside watching that bird beat itself bloody on your window side. Oh, I hate it. And then so many people on social media have shared wonderful photos of them being so caring and picking up a a bird and assisting a little bird, just letting it rest in their hand for however many minutes it takes. You know, sometimes if you really feel compelled to do that, just kind of let the stars stop spinning around the little guy's head, (laughs) let him get his his wits about him, and eventually they will fly away if they're not too badly injured. Yeah, they will if they're not too badly hurt. The best way to keep birds from doing that is just to make the glass non-reflective, and that means you've got to get up high where the glass is if you're on a second floor uh, home and put newspaper or screen wire or 
bushes, branch, branches as you can sort of lean up against the window. It's something that breaks up the reflection. That's all it takes is to break the reflection so the bird doesn't see his rival there in the glass. And after two or three weeks, the bird will move on. You can take the newspaper or whatever down from the glass, and the bird won't return until well, sometimes in the fall, but usually it'll be next spring for you before you ever see that again. Now, what are some other behaviors we're on the lookout for right now? We're we're early in the spring. It's the middle of May. Yeah. But what about, you know, looking out for nests? No, I'll tell you something that I'm going to complain about right now. Because oh. like you started by saying, you know, in the spring, and now we're sleeping in and have the evening to be out on the deck and have supper outside. I would like to sleep in. <laughs> but, but last, last <laughs> week... A woodpecker yep. decided that my gutter was going to be the best place <laughs> in the world to try to beat around and attract his girlfriends. And it woke me up at like five o'clock in the morning. Bah, bah. <laughs> you think you're being fired upon, right? <laughs> go, go on that bird. What do you do? Do you just wait for him to stop? In my case, I went to the front door and opened it up and yelled, hey, hey, get away from here. <laughs> I can't go out because I'm sleeping in my underwear, so I can't really oh, go gosh. out to you know to do anything. Set off, neighbors yeah, come by. set off all of your neighbors' ring doorbells, and they would have a good video of you right there. <laughs> but that dang woodpecker is about to drive me nuts. You I know, wanna... all of them pecking on gutters and trees and stuff is is pretty loud. But one guy who's who's cry or chirp or whatever is particularly loud in our backyard is the red-bellied woodpecker and, and yeah, you hear me boy, say this shrieky, yeah yeah and, and you think you have identified just by me saying red-bellied woodpecker but his red his belly isn't really red he's the longer black and white guy but he's got kind of that orange mohawk on his yeah. on his head he yeah. is just he's really something he makes a shriek when he Runs through the, flies through the backyard. You're right. They're noisy birds. Yes. Not only to the gutter, but just naturally when they're calling to each other out there. There is one thing that I have heard people say works, but I don't think it works very well. Let's put hanging pipe ends or hanging yeah. a snake or hanging a, you know, an owl or something next to the area that you see the bird. I really don't think those work very well. Not at least well enough for me to want to climb up on a ladder and hang oh. a, hang the stuff from the gutter or someplace. If you have a cedar-sided house that has uh, loose planking on it, sometimes woodpeckers will beat on that as well. And so that can be nailed down. Sure, go up and nail it down so it doesn't make any noise. That would help to keep, keep the birds away because it doesn't make a noise. That's what they want, make a noise and tell the rivals as well as their girlfriends they're here. <laughs> well, you know something I recommended months and months ago on the show when we were talking about birding and the Great Backyard Bird Count recommended for every Georgia homeowner to have is a really good bird book, a colorful, yeah. descriptive bird oh, yeah. book of all the birds here in Georgia. So I do. I sit by the window with that handy, you know, just so I can identify things. Something I saw a couple of weeks ago that I think now we're not seeing as much of, and I learned their migration patterns, you know, some aren't here to stay for the summer. A rose-breasted grosbeak, I believe it was. Such a pretty bird. Wow. wow. He was black and white, more, more black than white, but a good little medium-sized bird. And, I mean, just red paint just spilled on his chest, and that stood yeah. out so much from all the other birds when he was at the feeder. So I think, is it possible that those have gone ahead and flown through already? Yeah, I haven't seen. I saw one three weeks ago, just one, and that was it. Just sort of caught sight of it. thought, wow, there's a gross week. And then it was, flew away, and that was that. I would assume they're all migrating further north. If they go up to you know, New England and places like that, they don't stick around in Georgia too much. 
What other behaviors are we kind of on the lookout right now? Let me think. Let me think. Now, what can we put in did, here? Did you want to do nesting or are we were late, like robin's eggs and that kind of thing? Like, have they already done all that? Yeah. What about when things, when either baby birds or eggs fall, or nests fall out of a tree, what to do then? In regards to birds and what we're seeing, uh-oh, what about when you're walking on the lawn or walking on the sidewalk and you may see a nest or a broken egg? Yeah, that's, hopefully the broken egg means a little baby bird is hatched. So that's not what I'm going to worry too much about. But when I see a nest that has a couple of eggs still in it that's fallen out of a tree, I think, oh, what should I do? What should I do? The answer is put it back into the tree more sturdily than it was before. The bird can find that you don't need to tell the bird, hey, I put your nest over here in the shrub. The bird will find it pretty easily and continue to sit on her nest. And you find baby birds, because this is hatching time right now, too. If you find baby birds, sort of the same thing. Put them in a place where they're more hidden from predators, from cats or hawks and things like that. Don't try to um, do anything special for them. Don't put them in a cardboard box. And don't think that your smell somehow is going to keep the mother bird from coming to, to rescue her children. Birds don't smell people. It's fine to pick it up, move it to the shrubbery. That's fine for the bird, the adult, to find their babies. I'm glad to hear you say that because I have been hesitant in years past to touch a fledgling or to touch a nest mm-hmm. because, yeah, I thought my scent was going to be left behind. So, wow, interesting. Contrary to popular belief, huh? Yeah, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> buzzards can smell very nicely. You know, buzzards can smell dead animals from way far away, yeah. but they're the only, well, they're one of the few birds that has a real developed sense of smell. Wow, interesting. Well, thank you for making us more aware of the birds in our environment, Walter. And I'm going to share on Facebook or share it again, the birding checklist that I created back those few months ago, just for folks to kind of get a nice idea. They want to get into birding, haven't really started or just haven't really missed that in their landscape. So just a really good little checklist of some basic That's things that you should... a great thing to do. Birds are yeah. fascinating in the landscape. They sure are. They are. All right. Well, you go watch some right now and sleep in with the woodpecker, would you? Uh, If he comes back this morning, I'm going to go out with a stick and throw it at him. I love it. We'll talk at you soon. Keeping you updated on the coronavirus and its impact on our economy. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. Green and growing. Want to give you a quick weather update. I failed to do that about half an hour ago. Sorry. Meteorologist Brad Nitz from Channel 2 Action News has been in for Kirk Mellish, who took some time off. But today it's going to be nice. Highs in the mid-50s, lows dipping down around the low 60s, partly cloudy and warm. Tomorrow, very much the same. High in Metro Atlanta around 87, lows around 65. Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Trying to keep you on track with your lawn or landscape or even your container gardens and just let you know of some things you can be doing outdoors this weekend. Now that you're familiar with how the sun moves through your yard or around your apartment building or whatever, you'll know if you can plant a shade garden, if you have enough shade to tolerate that. If you just get irritated with a spot under a tree or something like that, that you just really can't think of what to grow, you can include hostas, coral bells. Solomon seal, ferns, those are some nice things. Hellebores, too, although they're not going to be blooming right now. Those are some ideas for a shade garden. Number two, refresh potted plants before planting container gardens with summer annuals. You don't have to dump the whole thing. I don't. 
uh, but at least replace the top four to six inches of soil with a new soil, something lightweight, soilless potting mix. Like I talked to Gerald about, if you're going to be doing those things in containers, you want to use potting soil when you go to the store and make sure your containers have holes in the bottom of them. And number three, time for fire ant control. You got to be watching out when you step out into the lawn, watching for snakes Ugh. and fire ants. So the Georgia two-step, that's an easy way to remember fire ant control. Sometimes one, spreading that bait just alone isn't enough. So start with that. Do a bait like Amdro, something like that. Read the label directions because I think you maybe wait a week or so before using a mound drench. And that's an organic insecticide like spinosad or something like that. And those two steps are really going to keep them at bay. 404-872-0750 is the number. We're talking to Lovely in South Fulton County. Good morning, Lovely. How are you? I'm fine. So what's going on with your centipede? It's turning red. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> now, are oh, you noticing? I now it's a centipede. Oh, is it really tall and blady? Um, it's blady. Hmm. Now, what did it do over the winter time? Over the winter, was it green or did it just completely go brown? It went brown. Okay, okay, then you do not have fescue. So you could have centipede, you could have Bermuda. Do you remember how it was installed? Like, did you live in the home when it was either someone seeded or put a sod down? No, it was um, nice. Well, it looks like centipede. It grows like centipede. Hmm. Um, You know, it strings out, you know, grows, the runners grow out. Yes. So, but... Now, when I look out there, half of it is red. It doesn't look unhealthy, yeah. but it just doesn't look like centipedes. And I'm wondering, now I did do a lot of um, grass control last summer, and I don't know if I killed off the fescue. Now, do you use landscapers, like a lawn care service, or do you do everything yourself? I do everything myself. Oh, good for you. Okay, so lovely. I hear the music playing, which means we got to take a break. And if you need to hang up, you can. I'm going to throw out a couple of things at the top of the hour that may be going on with your centipede lawn and just some recommendations for you. A, to make sure, 100% sure of what lawn we have, and B recommending getting a soil test because that will start with the health of the lawn and what's going on. So hang around, lovely. We've also got Chris and Conyers and my guest, Dr. Dave Coyle from Clemson University. All of that coming up and more. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.